Hello and welcome back to the Supercoach Sanctum podcast after round nine of the AFL season. Uh, so, you know, so it's looking pretty set right now. I don't know how many rookies you have on field right now, Foz, but let me welcome you uh, to the show this week. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, slipping a little bit back in the rankings for the second week in a row. Um, so I'm sitting on 1800th at the moment. So I'm hoping that a, a big round 10 can uh, can pump me back up because I'm dipping a little bit like lunar at the moment. But uh, I guess that's <laughs> not a, it's not at the Intersectums Crypto podcast. It's a super coach. So I think we should steer clear of that sort of chat for now. So coming into round 10, where we've hit the buyers, we have more trades. We've also got those trade boosts and, and whatnot. We're obviously all, you know, a little bit more ahead of um, where we were in previous seasons. How many rookies do you still have on field um, once you make your trades this week? At the moment, I've just got one um, being Greg Clark, but that's, I am including Dacos and Martin as potential yep. keepers in that because I anticipate that I'll, I'll potentially hold them um, at least Martin, I mean, scoring 87 or 86.6 a game on average, obviously dropped that 59 last week is a little bit disappointing, but um, he's scoring as a sort of an F6, F7 come end of year. And I, I don't want to have to trade him out until he is either injured, dropped, or um, he really starts showing poor form. Um, same with Dacos at 81.4. I think he's doing well enough to hold his spot for now. So um, Greg Clark's the only one on my field that um, I, I definitely will upgrade at some point. Um, and obviously at M8, that there's a much bigger jump from, you know, 110 averaging, you know, Brayshaw or, or Tom Tom Mitchell or someone like that who's, you know, dipped in price a bit to um to a rookie price. Whereas if you're going from Dacos at 81, you you know, you're spending a couple of hundred grand and you're going up to a 90 to a 95 sort of player. And same with Nick Martin in the forward line. You're only getting 10 extra points per week. So there's value in keeping those two, which is why I'm not including them as my rookies. I, I think they're potential keepers, uh, but Clark is definitely one to, to upgrade. So that leaves me at just the one for now. It, it's pretty interesting to look at teams around your mark in the top thousand, top two thousand, um, and and see the teams who have blitzed through their trades early are actually kind of well set up. Regardless, you know, there are a couple of teams now I think I've seen who are about to, you know, put, take their last rookie off the field. Um, it feels like now that we've hit this stage uh, where we're entering the buys and, you know, trades are going to be a bit more uh, or more used, uh, at least over the buy rounds when you have three each week, feels like those guys who have blitzed through their trades are actually in a fairly good position compared to years in the past where there's you expect um, other, other coaches to catch up with them um, just coming out of those buy rounds. Yeah, and I feel like I've probably been a bit too aggressive with um, not so much the trading out the rookies because I'm I'm usually quite aggressive with that, and I'm happy to to cull someone even if they've got fifty grand left to make, and as long as they're only going to be making about ten grand a week, I'm happy to to go back down and find a rookie that's about to jump up in price rather than holding on to them and saving a trade and, and potentially missing out on rookies because you just don't know. I'm of the opinion that you take the rookies as they come, um, and if that is to the detriment of your um, cash generation for the existing rookies that you have, then so be it. Like I almost traded out Sam Hayes um, last week for Stranatica um, just purely to get 150 grand in the bank. And I don't ex- anticipate Hayes is going to play on field ever. I don't anticipate Stranatica is going to play on field, but it was mainly just to get that cash. And ultimately I didn't end up doing it because Stranatica came down sick and you know a variety of other things happened. So Hayes is still there kept making money for me, but that's my mindset. Um, I've probably been a bit too aggressive with trading out uh, premiums uh, that get injured. Um, 
I held Hewitt for one week and then traded him when he missed the second week. Um, I was talking to people inside Carlton who suggested that he might miss another week on top of that, making it three weeks. And um, obviously he came back after the second week out. So it would have been, would have been nice to hold him, but I did get Tuke Miller in, in for him. So that hasn't been the worst trade-off, um, but it would be nice to have him. And then obviously I had Tim English and, and traded him out, but that's turned out okay. So um, yeah, a bit of a mixed bag when it comes to the premiums. Um, it's left me with 23 trades going into this week, um, which is probably more than most people have. I'm, I'm in a relatively good position with that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty keen to be um, as close or a, a full premium side at some stage in the buys, whether that's in the first or the second week of the buys, and then just hopefully coast through there. Yeah, I have 21 trades remaining just for reference. So I think you are doing a little bit better in that regard than um, some other coaches around you. I think it's going to be an opportunity for you to um, climb up the ranks into the top thousand and over the buyer rounds. But I don't know, looking at um, teams like, I think um, Selby from Marrera's Magic, who's won Air Force Fantasy two times, he's, he's sitting pretty in the top kind of, couple hundred in Supercoach right now. And he's blitzed through the trades. He's taken an AFL fantasy kind of approach to this Supercoach season. And it's actually worked out really well for him so far, simply because of the extra trades that um, coaches are able to use, the trade boosts, and also just having a few underpriced guys at the start of the season, like Lockie Neal, firing on all cylinders makes it easier to count them as primos right now and keepers. Um, so so a guy like he, him is doing really well on a different strategy right now. We'll see if he continue, continue it up through the rest of the season. Let's talk some cash cows, and there's not too many this week. I think the one that is must have a, a negative 97 break even is Greg Clark. I know a few coaches have jumped on him early, Foz, but um, it feels like at this stage of the season, he's about as must have as you can get from a rookie. Yeah, he is. He's, he's not something that you're going to uh, upgrade at the end of the season, though. I think he'll be one to to probably hold through the the rest of the year. So um, if you don't, and, and that's the thing you got to start looking at with these rookies is that there is a potential that a rookie that you bring in now is you're purely bringing them in for that um the backup on the bench but also um you know just to have and, and i guess create cash um flow by trading out someone who's who's plumped up a little bit so there's a chance that you know greg clark makes a quick 100 150k and we trade him out towards the end of the season just to get an uber premium um from you know someone like a matt rowell or or someone who's injured um and drops a little bit in price. Um, but there is a potential that a, a Greg Clark is someone you just hold on to for the rest of the year and he sits your, your M9, M10, M11 sort of slot. And, um, you know, it's not the worst thing to have in the world is, you know, a decent scoring rookie on your bench come end of the year. Um, but, yeah, it's for people, It's sort of that weird time of the year that you're, you're still looking at this bloke as, you know, genuine cash generator, but there's a good chance you won't end up trading him out. The added bonus for Clark over the buy rounds, he's got that round 13 buy and he's going to be on your field for round 12 and round 14. And he's a guy that has a really good ceiling as he showcased in in his first game, in his debut. So I think he could come in really handy for coaches that, that start him on field for those rounds and um, could end up, you know, with a couple tons if he, you know, plays well, he gets that role. I know Elliot Yo's coming back into that West Coast lineup soon, but he had good CBAs against the D's and, and the and Melbourne's not an easy um, team to play against. So, you know, a 62 might've been expected um, considering that on a Sunday afternoon, but I feel like there's, there's a couple hundreds in the tank for Greg Clark once he gets his feet under him at, at AFL level and um, his tackling is going to give him a really good base to, to go on from there. I think the other guy 
who's who warrants a bit of consideration in terms of cash cows this round is Buku Kamas. But Foz, as you alluded to before um, the show, I think there's a little bit of worry about the job security and, and that's absolutely key coming into the buy rounds where you're going to have a guy like Buku on field if you bring him in at some point. Um, and you just need a, a score that you can actually use and not one that gets chopped off every every time, and especially so if he's getting dropped during the buy rounds, which is a distinct possibility despite his play because you've got Jamara in the VFL, you've got Mitch Wallace, and these kinds of guys um, in the wings for the dogs in the forward line. Despite their poor performances, it's still a hard side to crack into. So I'd be steering clear of Buku Kamas um, for this round despite a pretty decent break even right now. Yeah, and I think that's probably the fair way to um, address it. As you said, um, Jamara has been playing decently in the VFL. He hasn't been sort of setting the world on fire, but all it takes is a you know one or two good games at that level to to really say, oh yeah, this this is you know we need to bring him back in. Obviously, Tim English is set to come back into the side probably next week. Um, he, he looks like he's going to miss at least one more week with that hamstring illness that he's had. So that's another <laughs> one who's going to just fill in um, and play. Um, Obviously, Lockie Hunter's taken personal time as well. Um, Tim O'Brien's a test for this week, whether he comes back in. And, and as you said, Mitch Wallace um, is one to two weeks away, as is Cody Waitman. So not all of these guys are forwards. Um, obviously, Hunter and, and English play more in the midfield and, and rotate forward. But it's still just another position to to fill in that best 22. And as, as, as we said, it's only 22 and, and really 23 slots that you can play. And um, I think Jamara's influence in the VFL uh, is probably the main indicator. And also Wallace coming back into that side, because while he's a relatively tall forward, he's um, Buku is, is really athletic and he's once the ball hits the deck, he's playing that small forward role pretty well. He's kicked a couple of goals from crumbing packs and, and sort of getting the ball over the top. So Mitch Wallace is one to watch as well, you know, one to two weeks away from that foot injury that he sustained a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and the dogs seem to like to play a, you know, last bloke in first one out sort of mindset when it comes to team selection. So um, he, he's probably one to, you'd, you'd hope would cover through the buys, but he's every chance to get dropped in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. I think consensus is Greg Clark's probably the only cash cow you want to be looking at for this round. Now there are some big outs. Firstly, Lockie Whitfield and out um, on Thursday afternoon when we're recording, he's going to miss a week um, Foz, and then he plays Brisbane. If he does come back next round and then he's got his, his early buy the round 12 buy. So he's going to miss at least two of his next three games. He's so cheap. He's just had a horrid start to the season. Um, and, you know, that's partly due to, I think, his his running capacity is kind of down right now. But mostly, Leon Cameron has just been playing him forward around the ground in different positions. He's getting too much time on the pine. It's, it's been a bit of a nightmare for Whitfield owners, and there are a lot of them to start the season. At 423Ks, it's an awkward price where you need to find some decent cash to actually get up to anyone. For reference, Jordan Dawson is now over 100000 more than him. Um, obviously, they started at about the same price. So, I feel like he's obviously a must-trade um, scenario for owners, but there's also a bit of difficulty to get to get up to a to a premium. So, considering the buyers, um, considering all the defenders who are in form and all the defenders who are out of form right now, who who do you think are the best options to be sideways and Lockie Whitfield to? If you're going to trade him, and I don't think it's necessarily a must-trade at this point, especially if you've got ample cover on the bench. Um, like we'll obviously have a look at 
uh, Paddy McCartan tonight against Carlton. Um, oh, sorry, not tonight. Tomorrow night. Uh, I wish it was tonight. I love Thursday night footy. Yeah, um, Bring it back, yeah. But then we'll we'll see him on Friday night. If he scores, you know, 70 or 80, I'd very much take that hold Lockie Whitfield because, as you said, weird price, hasn't had a great season so far. Um, you, you're really you're buying into the loss, um, really, with, with him. And especially now that Leon Cameron's out of that team, we could, and I, and I pray, I pray that we see an elite halfback return to his rightful position as a halfback. And I know Isaac Cummings had a good year, um, down there, but I, I think Lockie Whitfield's been, you know, he, he's shown in the past he can absolutely do it. And I'm certainly watching him and hoping to see that position be regained as his. I think he can play two rebounding backs pretty effectively. And and ho- I'm praying that's what happens, just like I'm the same reason I'm ho- holding Stephen Cornelio this week, because I do want to see if he gets that midfield role. And if he doesn't, then I'll, I'll get rid of him. But um, I'm keen to see what happens there. Um, and then even on Saturday, we've got Sam DeConing playing for the Cats against Port, um, the first game of the round. And then um, the Tigs are playing on Saturday night and, and obviously the Giants play on Sunday. So if you've got the three of them, you can really have a look at, at potentially one of them or, or a couple of them and see who's playing, um, you know, who's scored well and, and hopefully be able to loop them. Because if you can take a 70 or an 80, it's worthwhile holding on to Whitfield and and seeing, I guess, watching that role next week before he has his buy, um, because that would be a you know a potential hold. And you know, if your loophole doesn't work and they only pump out of fifty, then I'd probably look at trading a little bit more liberally. Um, and you know, long winded way to say potentially hold. But if you are going to trade him, I really like Jeremy McGovern at four ninety five, um, averaging one hundred and five point one. He's only in one point nine percent of teams. Um, he's gone up a little bit in price, but at sub 500k certainly one to be looking at jake lloyd is another one obviously started the season at close to 600k and he's now four hundred ninety three thousand dollars. so it's another bit of a jump if you can spare some cash um jordan ridley came out with a good score last week but i wouldn't be bringing him in because i just i've got him and he's been a real roller coaster um i haven't loved owning him this year um if you want to go to another giant, you've obviously got Harry Perryman, who's who's been super consistent at around that 90 to 95 average this year. Um, another good one. And we should see Jack uh, Jack Bowes play his first game of the season. So another one to look at for the Suns at 450K. So there's definitely options. Um, I wouldn't be looking at anyone like a Luke Ryan who has proven to do it in the past. He's playing too tall at the moment. Um, Hayden Young would be a, a real smoky one who's 424K. Um, so he's, you know, only $400 cheaper, sorry, $400 more expensive than Lockie Whitfield. Um, but he's been a bit, um, you know, a bit up and down as well, averaging 87.4 for the season. Um, but another one of those sort of young dockers who seems to have a, a pretty nice role. There's some pretty good underpriced options there. I like Harry Perryman as an option. If Lockie Whitfield's out, they need the more outside run, um, in my opinion. Isaac Cummings been really good out of the back half, but they could use a bit more from Harry Perryman on a wing. And I think they could actually, you know, he, he's one of their better ball users. They they have some class through the middle of the ground, and I think he's about as classy as it gets for for the Giants and a pretty um, undervalued part of their of their team. I think if Whitfield's out, he gets a little bit more usage. Um, coming out of the back half and, and up on the wings. So I like uh, the Harry Perryman call. If you're going to sideways from Lockie Whitfield, and, and you're right, it is 
it's a tough one to cut your losses from considering he's lost about a hundred K's. Um, he looks like a surefire top six defender at the start of the season. It was going to be difficult to convince me otherwise. And now to see these 423,000 and you're going to have to find a lot of cash to get up to someone. Like if you want to get up to Tom Stewart, it's about 200 K, which is ridiculous. Um, but it all, do, all kind of depends on if you can get a decent bench score over the next week um, from Paddy McGarten or Sam DeConey. And if you can, then yeah, Holding is definitely an option. I think coming back against Brisbane's tough and then you get the buy. But if your buy structure is all right and you don't need to trade out those round 12 players, then I think holding um, Lockie Whitfield adds a bit more value to that decision. The other one that happened last week, and it was a valiant effort for him to actually play through this for the rest of the game because I think he was about five minutes away from getting subbed out if Jack Higgins didn't get that concussion. Jack Steele was... Um, actually really impressive to, to even battle his way to 74. He looked so gone out there. He was holding his shoulder down. I'm surprised he was handballing, let alone kicking the footy um, or, or marking. So he's one that's got to go. He's going to be out the next two months. And at 590K, you, you've nearly got your pick of the lot. I know Lockie, Whitf- um, sorry, Lockie Neal and the like are, are about 100K more expensive, but there are so many midfielders around that price that, you know, would be pretty enticing um, for for owners who are going to have to trade Jack Steele this week, Foz. Yeah, certainly. And one that's been spoken about a lot, um, even though it's a, a bit more expensive, is Rory Laird. I'd start there. Um, averaging 122.9 for the season. He's in one, 1.5% of the team, so you're getting a genuine pod there. Um, if he hadn't missed the first two games of the year with that hand injury that he sustained in the preseason, he would have been in my starting side over... Um, Jack Steele. It was a toss-up between those two and Tuke Miller, and I took um, Jack Steele, uh, um, which I'm not unhappy by. He, he's had a great year so far. Um, but Rory Laird, at, at, he's 634K, so he is quite expensive. But if you're trading out a 590K player, you can pretty much go to anyone um, within reason. I wouldn't be going up to... I wouldn't be stumping up for Lockie Neal at 678 or Callum Mills at 669. I think they're probably a bit too expensive, but um, Jack McRae at 620 and Rory Laird at 634, I think are probably the sort of upper echelons that you could reach. And, and Clayton Oliver, you could, but he's going to drop a bit in price. He's got a pretty high break even this week. Um, but Rory Laird, apart from his 93 in round three, he scored 143, 120, 123, 116, 123, 142. Um, he's averaging more than 30 touches a game. He's been super influential for, for Adelaide and, um, I, I can't see that changing really. And especially coming up against St Kilda this week um, without Jack Steele, I think it'll be interesting to see how he goes. I think he'll have a pretty good game this week, but obviously you're looking for the season and he rarely misses game. So he's definitely the pick of the bunch for me. Um, Paddy Cripps is obviously um, another one that if you don't have him, he's, he's been playing pretty well, obviously only had the 83 last week, but he's still averaging 120.3 for the season, still under 600 K. So Definitely affordable there. Um, but then on the other end of the spectrum, you can go a bit cheaper. And, and someone like an Andrew Brayshaw, who's averaging 116.4, is only 557K. So he's super cheap for someone who will be, you know, around that sort of top 10, top eight mark in terms of midfielders. Ben Keyes, Led's teammate, is 568.600, also averaging 116 for the year, also very cheap and has scored 100 in every game so far this season. It's only him and Lockie Neal who have done that. For the season, so it just shows the consistency that Keyes bringing each week. Um, I'd probably steer clear of someone like a Travis Boke. He spent 51% of the um, game last week in the forward line. Um, he does look like he could sneak in uh, forward eligibility, which would make him the number one ranked forward. 
um, in the competition, but I'd, uh, I'd probably hold on trading him in, especially after scoring the 36 last week. Um, and then you can start looking at, you know, around this sort of similar price to, um, to Jack Steele would be someone like a Darcy Parrish or a Sam Walsh who are averaging 114 each. Um, they're probably the two options there. Tom Green's pretty cheap, but he's going to be dipping in price a bit more. He's at 527 at the moment, but scored 75 on the weekend. Josh Kelly for the Giants. I'm sure we'll see him move back into the midfield and he's coming off a 156 last week and he's at 580K. So he's pretty much a straight swap and you don't have, you'll, you'll make 10 grand out of him there. So there's definitely options. And I mean, when you talk about midfielders, there's always going to be options there. Um, there's always classy players. Um, so you can't really sort of complain too much about the pick of the bunch. Um, one name that I, I reckon I'll be watching out for post his buy is going to be um, Tom Mitchell from the Hawkers. So Sam Mitchell t- today said he's coming back into the side as a, a center clearance midfielder, which is obviously where he works his best. Um, and he's going to be around 460K in a couple of weeks. So definitely one to watch as you sort of M8, M9 come into the season. Some nice names there, Foz. A couple that I'm interested in. But if you want to talk about two dogs, Marcus Bontempelli and Bailey Smith, who are currently at 37% forward time. Obviously, you need that 35%. Um, after round 11 to to gain that DPP forward status. They're both, you know, top, top six forwards. Um, there's no other way to cut it with the way they've been playing um, over the last couple of rounds, at least for Bont um, in that regard. So I think they're really interesting options if you're going to make a little bit of cash by going down to steel and still getting a, a keeper in that regard. Bont at 573, he's gone down about 80K this season, but he's still averaging 110 in a really disappointing year so far. So, you know, if he returns to the midfield full-time after that injury, that ankle that he um, missed a week for a couple of weeks ago, then I think that he's a genuine option to, to be bringing in, relying on him getting forward status. And then Bailey Smith, who's been um, outrageous. And, and the big tick for Bailey Smith is just, the amount of time on ground he's got, he's, he's averaging about 95% time on ground right now. So it's, it's hard for him not to find the ball 30 plus times a game. And he had another 40 possession game on the weekend. And I expect that kind of to continue on for the rest of the season. I think he could be in the top three or four um, disposal winners for the entire season, the the way that this man's playing. And, and he's done, doing it from the forward line and from center bounces as well. So you don't have to be too worried about his role because he's able to do it wherever he is right now. Um, and I think, you know, coming up against Gold Coast, I think you can have a really good day again. Finally, I think if you're going to be going to someone and, and taking a gamble on them, it, it has to be Sam Walsh. We saw the way he played it last season, the way he ended 2020. He's just a bona fide superstar, super coach royalty. Um, he's averaging 122 in his last three, 149 of the weekend. But the big tick for here, for, which is usually a bit of a flag, He's averaging, he has about 25% center bounces over his last couple of games, which, you know, obviously doesn't sound good on paper, but if that increases and you expect it to at some point, he's going to average 125 for, for the rest of the season. And I think he's just a genuine option going sideways from um, Jack Steele because, you know, if, if you're not too worried about buyers and he's got that round 12 buy, um, Sam Walsh is such a good name to be bringing into your side and he's such a pod as well. Um, considering he missed the start to the season. He's only in 3% of teams. Yeah, certainly some good names in there. I'd be looking at probably Bailey Smith over Bontempelli, just purely from his... Uh, I like a, a player who's got good work rate and he clearly just wants and hunts the ball all the time. And and whether he's on a wing or in the centre or up forward, he always seems to be around it. And 
providing a bit of influence. But yeah, uh, while she's someone who finishes the season really strongly last year, and I would expect him to do the same. And um, obviously coming off that syndesmosis injury that everyone thought he'd probably miss six weeks, but he only missed a couple of games. So um, yeah, he's definitely one that'll build into the season as, as the year goes on, he'll just get better and better. So um, if you can afford the 600K, if you've got Jack Steele and you want to sideways him, um, then I'd say Walsh is a, a very good choice. But obviously, buy structure is really important at this point. We're only a couple of weeks away from you know best 18 football. So you want to make sure you've got you know a full contingent and, and playing the right players at, at the right time rather than just trading in anyone at this point. Let's have a chat about buy structure now, Foz. I want to know what your structure is right now with thinking, you know, five or six trades uh, or four or five trades until um, round 12 starts. What are you kind of looking at for your structure right now and how is it going to, you know, how is it going to plan out your, your hoping um, over the next couple of weeks to, to look at, at the start of round 12? Yeah, so at this point, um, I have 20 players available for round 12, um, but it actually comes down to 18 players because I've got... Um, 10 of the 11 players in my midfield uh, available. Obviously, you can only play eight. Um, Robbie McComb will be um, mid uh, forward eligible. Um, we're predicting for by round 12. So I will be able to swing him forward and play him in the, in the forward line. So it does give me 19. Um, I think going into round 12, it'll be really important unless you've got um, less than 18 players. If you've got smack bang on 18 or you've got more than 18, you should not be trading going into round 12 because whoever you bring in will miss a game um, unless it's a, a must-have rookie. But at this point of the season, I, I I can't think of anyone in particular that hasn't debuted yet. That'll be must-have. Maybe Ned Long, if he gets named, there's rumours around um, him debuting um, this round. But um, I'm going to be honest, I don't even know when Hawthorne have their buy, so they might even have round 12. But... Um, you know, it's something I could definitely just check and, and not worry about it too much. But um, yeah, there's, I wouldn't be bringing in anyone going into round 12. Yeah. So they play round 12. So it doesn't even matter. He's probably the only one I'd think of, but um, dig- I need to digress a little bit. No trades going into round 12, but then if you've got a boost handy, um, this is when you start to use it after round 12. And you obviously want to be bringing in and eyeing off players who miss that round 12 game and are playing round 13 and 14, because they're obviously not on your side at that point and you want to be bringing them in. Um, so it's definitely looking at someone like, you know, whether it's a, in the back line, a, a Jaden Short or a Jordan Ridley, um, whether it's, you know, getting in Braden Proust, if you don't have him, he's probably pretty too expensive to be bringing in at the moment. Um, you probably want to be looking at Giants players, so whether it's a Whitfield or a Kelly or a Taranto or someone like that, um, you know, Port Adelaide players as well. You probably want to be looking at, you know, Maybe Butters, probably not the right one at this stage of the season. He doesn't seem to be getting um, those super consistent scores that we wanted. But, you know, Travis Boak is there. Ollie Wines is not a bad option as well. Um, you want to be looking at these blokes who are who have obviously already played round 12 and start bringing them in. Um, the way that my team's structured at the moment on a personal level, I've got 20 or 19 available for for round 12. And then I'm, I'm missing 13 in round 13. So I'll, uh, I'll have 17 available then. But... Um, in similar sort of situation, I'll be looking to use my boost in there and and bring in four players that uh, played or had their buy in round twelve and are available for the rest of the season. So um, that theoretically should give me twenty one plays for that week. And then in round fourteen, at this stage, I only have seven unavailable. So it, for, round fourteen seems to be the 
troublesome buy for a lot of people as well as round 12. Um, they're actually my two easiest buys. So um, I've, I've structured pretty well, I think. Um, round, round 12 might be a little bit difficult with just 19 players available, um, but a full contingent of, of full premium midfield will, uh, will certainly soften that blow. Yeah, with my, you know, four or five dogs, I have my lineup around 13 is not looking um, too great as well for myself as well. But I think uh, that the point um, just about having that spread and then moving quickly to, to bring in those round 12 players is absolutely prime for what you want to be doing in the buys. You want to have your team come out better than it was coming in. And that's how the good coaches make up rank during this period. Um, you can make really big grounds if you're bringing in, uh, Carlton players like George Hewitt or or Paddy Cripps, Sam Walsh um, could be prime at, at this kind of hour. And then even like a guy like Sam Doherty has um, been amazing this season. They're all really good options. Um, and then you look at, you know, Don's players like Darcy Parrish and Zach Merritt. There's there's so many um, coming out of that buy that could really, you know, just finish off the season really strongly. You want to look at form like that. Sam Walsh traditionally ends seasons really well. Um, so does Zach Merritt. And then, I think you know once once you get some cash through your cash cows and then bring in those players, your your team's going to start firing all cylinders. You're going to see your rank increase. Captain, my captain. Captain, my captain. Let's get on to some VC and C options for round ten of the footy season. I think in Supercoach right now, you want you don't want to accept too much less than about 135 Foz. There's been some fantastic VC scores so far. And with midfielders, you know, you, you're probably batting seven or eight deep in, in midfield premiums right now. I think you've got so many options. And I want to kickstart it with Saturday afternoon, Christian Petrarca against North Melbourne. He's going to have four or five shots at goal. We already know this. He had it against West Coast. He just wasn't able to convert. But I think Christian Petrarca is almost my pick of the lot um, for, for a captaincy or VC this week. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Um, last week, I think with Melbourne, it's quite interesting the way uh, Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver play, and it's no indication of, um, I guess, their personalities or, or the style of play they are. But I, th- I feel like Oliver really steps up in big games against good sides. Um, obviously, he went around in about second gear um, against... West Coast last week and pumped out a 99 for me as captain was a bit disappointing. Whereas Petrarca, I feel like he just goes full throttle all the time. Um, he'll pump, he'll beat up the little, the bad teams and, you know, play pretty well against the good sides. But um, so I, I'd probably against North be more comfortable captaining or vice captaining um, Petrarca, I think, even though Oliver is a, you know, bona fide premium midfielder who averages 120. Um, certainly not a bad option, but I just feel like, um, Petrarca's ability to kick goals as well. Um, he showed a couple years ago against North um, when he scored 160 against them and hasn't been you know too influential against them in re um, in more recent years. But um, you know Clayton Oliver is someone who I feel like will just probably cruise around a little bit despite you know averaging about 120 against North the last couple of years. So he's probably the pick out of that Melbourne game. I think Gorn is probably not one to be looking at, especially after his last couple of weeks. Um, and coming up against, it looks like Cherry will be back and, and Goldstein as well, rucking as a sort of two-pronged attack. So, yeah, I'd say Petrarca for me added that particular game. I'm surprised you skipped over the Western Bulldogs game, though, uh, a bit earlier in the day um, at 1.45 on Saturday because Jack McRae is playing Mars Stadium. We know he loves it there. 
yeah. but also coming up against Gold Coast where he scored 146, 124 and 169 in his last three. And then we'll all remember in 2019 when he pumped out that 190. So um, yeah, I think that he's a, a definite vice captaincy option. And if you if you're quick onto it, if you're not doing anything on a Saturday afternoon, it could be a McRae into Petrarca, but you'll have to be relatively quick if uh, McRae stinks it up in in uh, the first game. Yeah, that's a good call. What I will flag is the Suns are difficult to play against right now, and they're playing some really good footy. Uh, just quietly, a bit of a segue. I, I feel like the Suns are a bit of value to make the eight right now. They've got Hawthorne twice. They've got North Melbourne twice. They've got Essendon, Adelaide, Collingwood, all these lower teams they're playing upcoming and, and they only need to win 12 to make it. They're on four right now. If they can win eight of those, I think they're, you know, they're actually going to make the eight and I think we're overlooking them a little bit, but I digress. Took Miller is an option in that game because the dogs are giving up buckets of points. And I think uh, a few of the dogs are as well in McRae and probably Bailey Smith. Um, I think Petrarca against North Melbourne is a bit of a safer one because with Mars, I'm not too sure if, it, if it's really windy, it just makes it really difficult for a few different players. On, and it's just, it's just a weird ground that I don't really trust too much with it being negative three every day out there in Ballarat. Um, and then going into Sunday, you want to keep your captaincy, I think, for this one. Lockie Neal up against Hawthorne, one of the easiest teams to score against. And um, he's just, he's having a great, great season. And he had 115 on the weekend. That was disappointing. I think he goes 140 plus um, against the Hawks. You kept him to 70 last year. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, I didn't, I'm not saying that he enjoys playing them, but he's going to enjoy this one because the Hawthorne right now is a bit of a rabble. And um, I think the, the Lions are a team, a I mean, bit like from, the Demons. Coming <laughs> from a bomber supporter, honestly. <laughs> Let's get Dylan Sheila as our captain this week, guys. <laughs> yeah, because he's real captain courageous material, isn't he? Oh, uh, the Lions are going in for the kill right now. They're in top form. And I think after a pretty disappointing first half against Adelaide, they really turned it on. The Crows hardly scored, and I don't expect Hawthorne to score much on Sunday afternoon. So I think Lockie Neal, kick a couple of goals, have his 35, lay, some, lay five tackles. I think you have a really good day out. That's who my captain will be going to after I VC Christian Petrarca on Saturday. Yeah, fair call. Um, I don't mind Andy Brasher against Collingwood as well. We know Collingwood don't tag. Um, Jack Crisp looks like uh, he'll be named tonight, but looks like he'll uh, miss on a bit laid out with that sickness. He's They're doing everything they can to get him to play, but trip over to, to Frio is, is a long flight. And, and obviously with that flu that's going around at the moment, it's not the best time for him. So um, if he plays, it's not like he's going to play a defensive role on Brayshaw. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Brayshaw had 35 and, you know, kicked a goal, had a bunch of clearances, laid a bunch of tackles and scored 150, to be honest. Yeah, a bit of a flag on that game, as well as the Sydney, uh, GWS one, sorry, on Saturday afternoon. They're both expected to be pretty wet. I think Optus Stadium's expecting um, it to be raining from Friday through to like Monday or something, which is, you know, not ideal for a Sunday afternoon hit out um, and Brayshaw kind of struggled against the Suns um, last week in the wet. So I think that's a little bit of a flag for Andy. Fair enough. Beautiful work, Foz. I think that's all we have time for today on the Supercoach Sanctum podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We are, of course, a product of the Inner Sanctum. You can follow us on Twitter at SC Sanctum and the same on Instagram as well, where Will Cuxon does the best graphics in the game. Foz, thank you very much for joining me, mate, and I'll see you next week.